Welcome to Smarticus History. All right, enough with the echo and fanfare. You're here for history, right? And not that boring crap you learned in high school. This stuff's actually interesting. Like things you've never heard about the Civil War, Cleopatra, automobiles, Monopoly, the Black Plague, and more. Fascinating stories, interesting topics, and some downright weird facts from the past. It's a new twist on some stories you may know, and an interesting look at some things you may have never heard. So, grab a beer, kick back, and enjoy. Here's your host, Smarticus. Hello, and welcome back to Smarticus Tells History. This week on the show, we are talking about one of the most hilarious but little-known stories about the infamous French leader, Napoleon Bonaparte. You may have heard of the Napoleonic Wars, but are you familiar with the time that Napoleon battled a horde of rabbits? Settle in, because here it comes. More than 200 years after his death in exile, Napoleon Bonaparte remains a divisive figure. There is no questioning his military genius, and he saved the French Revolution and laid the foundation for the modern French state. But he also became an aggressive dictator who reinstated slavery in France. On the 200th anniversary of his death, French President Emmanuel Macron sparked controversy by laying a wreath at Napoleon's tomb and giving a speech about his legacy. Macron insisted that he was commemorating, not celebrating, Napoleon's legacy, and that, like it or not, the late emperor is part of the French. Those who have devoted time to studying the controversial figure of Napoleon are not surprised at his ability to continue to ruffle feathers. After all, the publication of his memoirs, two years after his death, stirred public opinion from beyond the grave. Frederick Nietzsche described the Memorial of St. Helena as a book whose branches will reach beyond this century as trees that do not have their roots in it. Napoleon successfully rewrote his story as the epic hero and generations of readers gobbled it up. Napoleon did do quite a bit of fabrication in the memorial. A series of minor disagreements turned into full-scale battles and an insistence that he planned on becoming a constitutional monarch. It is also possible that he left a lot out of his memoirs. After all, Napoleon was known for being a vain man, and his most famous portrait shows him riding an enormous stallion across the Alps, when, in reality, it was a mule. One such tale that many believe was omitted from Napoleon's writings was his defeat at the hands of a horde of rabbits. Though more words have been written about Napoleon Bonaparte than almost any other historical figure, I understand that not everyone is well versed in the Napoleonic era of European history. Before we get to the bunnies, let me just give you a crash course so you can fully appreciate the battle. Napoleon Bonaparte was born in 1769 on the island of Corsica, which France had only recently purchased from the Italian city-state of Genoa. As the son of a prominent Corsican family, Napoleon was sent to the mainland for school. After graduating from the prestigious Ecole Militaire, Napoleon went home to Corsica and became affiliated with the Jacobins, a pro-democracy political group. In 1793, the Bonapartes fled to the mainland following a clash with the Corsican governor, and Napoleon returned to military duty. By then, the revolution was well underway, with King Louis XVI having been condemned to death in January of that year. 
France was also at war with Austria and Prussia, where it believed anti-revolutionary French rebels were building alliances. Following the king's execution, the Jacobins seized control of the National Convention and unleashed the Bloody Reign of Terror, a ten-month period in which suspected enemies of the revolution were executed by the thousands. Over 17,000 people were tried and executed by the time the Jacobins were overthrown, with countless others dying in prison without trial. In the aftermath of the Reign of Terror, Napoleon began to rise through the ranks of the French army. In 1795, he helped suppress a royalist coup in Paris and was promoted to Major General. The following year, at the tender age of 26, he was sent to Italy to lead what was considered a hopeless campaign against Austria. There, he found a ragtag group of beaten men exhausted and unpaid. Napoleon's undeniable charisma and promises of glory rallied the troops, and despite being outnumbered nearly two to one, they embarked on a campaign of cunning and speed. Napoleon's troops covered up to 30 miles a day compared to just six or seven by the Austrians and Italians. He attacked from all sides, separated the enemy forces, and found their weak points to assault. When the Austrians and Italians surrendered, Napoleon demanded payment in gold which he gave to his troops, sealing their loyalty beyond question. In addition to creating a reputation for himself as a fearless leader his men adored, Napoleon also found himself a wife. In 1976, he wed Josephine de Beauharnais, a Parisian socialite and widow who was six years his senior and had two teenage children. He would later divorce her after she failed to bear him an heir and produced a son with Mary Louise, the daughter of the Emperor of Austria. Now in a secure marriage with a woman who helped spread his fame even further, Napoleon embarked on his next military endeavor, an invasion of Egypt to wipe out the British trade routes with India. In what was most likely the most ambitious French military expedition in history, Napoleon marched 35,000 troops through the desert from Alexandria to Cairo. At what would become known as the Battle of the Pyramids, Napoleon faced a wall of 10,000 Mameluke fighters on horseback. The French crushed them and took Cairo. Unfortunately, the British struck back by destroying the French fleet docked offshore of Alexandria, effectively stranding Napoleon and his men in Africa. With not much else to do, he took on a series of small campaigns harassing the locals. But by the following year, morale had slipped, and after suffering a failed siege of Acre in Syria, Napoleon's thoughts turned back homeward. In France, executive power was held by a five-member directory appointed by Parliament. Their leadership was marked by financial crisis, widespread disapproval, and corruption. By the end of the 1790s, the directory relied almost solely on the military to maintain its authority. Ever the cunning leader, Napoleon saw this as an opportunity and quietly abandoned his troops in Egypt to return to France. There, he plotted with two of the directors and a group of wealthy backers to stage a coup. The coup of 18 Brumaire successfully overthrew the French Directory, which was replaced with a three-member consulate, with Napoleon as the first consul. Through sheer audacity and boldness, Napoleon had fashioned himself into the highest-ranking authority in France at the age of 30. In June of 1800, Napoleon cemented his status with a decisive victory over Austrians at the Battle of Marengo, driving them out of Italy. 
As the first consul, he worked to restore stability by centralizing the government, instituting reforms in banking and education, and rebuilding the relationship between his regime and the Pope. He also established the Napoleonic Code, which streamlined the legal system and is the foundation of modern French civil law. Napoleon was appointed the first consul for life through a constitutional amendment in 1802 and named himself Emperor of France two years later in a lavish crowning at the Cathedral of Notre Dame. What followed was a series of major conflicts with the rest of Europe that became known as the Napoleonic Wars. Napoleon racked up stunning military victories, including the Battle of Austerlitz, where his troops defeated the Austrians and Russians, resulting in the dissolution of the Holy Roman Empire and the creation of the Confederation of the Rhine. In 1806, Napoleon undertook an effort to wage large-scale economic warfare against the British by establishing the continental system of European port blockades. The following year, Alexander I was forced to sign a peace settlement with Napoleon following the defeat of the Russians in Prussia. The Treaty of Tilsit was signed after several days of negotiations between Napoleon and Tsar Alexander I in which they agreed Russia and Prussia would join the continental system by closing their ports to all British and neutral ships. In addition, Prussia agreed to reduce its army and pay a massive indemnity to France. Napoleon was undoubtedly feeling on top of the world. He had Britain by the neck and had gained the support of Russia. It was following this negotiation that Napoleon faced a foe he wasn't expecting. Riding the high of tucking Imperial Russia into his pocket, Napoleon arranged a celebratory hunt. He tasked his chief of staff, Alexander Berthier, with organizing a rabbit hunt. Berthier invited the top military leaders, arranged an outdoor luncheon, and collected a colony of rabbits from local farmers. Napoleon and his guests arrived on a sunny summer morning in a prepared field lined with cages of rabbits. It's easy to imagine the scene. Men with puffed chests, shouldering their weapons as they clasped hands and pounded each other on the back, remarking on their victories and preparing to mark the occasion by killing as many fluffy creatures as possible. When he was ready, Napoleon instructed Berthier's men to release the rabbits. Napoleon moved forward, looking to bag some bunnies before settling down to toasts and praise at luncheon. But instead of running in terror, the rabbits turned and ran directly at Napoleon. Thousands of rabbits descended on the hunting party. In what was undoubtedly the worst mistake of his career, Berthier had collected thousands of rabbits that were not wild, but domesticated and unafraid of humans. The tiny creatures surged forward, eager to accept handfuls of food. At first, Napoleon laughed. It was indeed comedic, this swarm of tiny animals flipping the script and gunning for the very men who went to annihilate them. But then panic set in. The military men fell to their knees, screaming and battling at the rabbits as a group climbed Napoleon's legs and began shimmying up his jacket. Napoleon shooed them with his riding crop. His men grabbed sticks and tried to chase them away. The coachmen cracked their whips, hoping to frighten them off but the small, furry horde kept coming. Not knowing what else to do, Napoleon made a run for it. He fled toward his carriage. But, according to historian David Chandler, with a finer understanding of Napoleonic strategy than most of his generals, the rabbit's horde divided into two wings and poured around the flanks of the party and headed for the imperial coach. Napoleon, 
dove into his coach, accompanied by several rabbits. Moore continued to leap inside. The onslaught only ceased as a carriage rolled away, with the most significant military leader in Europe hurling rabbits from the window. The other men followed suit, fleeing to their respective rides and hurtling away from the field of hungry rabbits. It is not known what became of poor Berthier following the rabbit fiasco, but it's safe to assume the embarrassing hunting trip was barred from conversation by the vain Napoleon. Perhaps the cottontails were an omen of what was to come with this treaty, as Alexander I backed out of the blockade in 1811, prompting Napoleon to launch an invasion of Russia. The tremendous military mind was thoroughly defeated and after returning to France, he was forced to abdicate his throne and was exiled to the tiny island of Elba. And though Napoleon mounted a comeback, he faced ultimate defeat against the Duke of Wellington at Waterloo when he postponed the attack awaiting for the ground to dry, which allowed time for 72,000 Prussian troops to join the fight. Napoleon was exiled for a second time to a remote tropical island called St. Helena, where the lone man was guarded by nearly 3,000 men and a Royal Navy squadron of 11 ships. He would remain there until he died in 1821 at the age of 51. There, Napoleon penned his memoirs at a ramshackle estate called Longwood. And though the Battle of the Bunnings didn't make it onto the pages, one must wonder how many times the ousted emperor thought of that day, and regretted not taking the biggest lesson to be learned to heart. Never underestimate your enemy. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Smarticus Tells History. If you're interested in helping our podcast grow, please consider donating to the show on PayPal. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, you can do so with ease on Buzzsprout. Check the links in the show notes to get started today. Thanks for listening to Smarticus Tells History. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review and make sure to subscribe. And be sure to follow the show at facebook.com slash History. Or just click the link in the show description. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.